turn to 657 657 a new name in glory 657 
Amen. And let's do one more song, 324. Wonderful Grace of Jesus, 324. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its grace begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free for the wonderful grace of Jesus.
Oh, we have a special. That is right. Before, take your Bibles. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. And uh, once you get there, listen closely. Sarah's going to sing a song this morning, and then we'll get into the preaching. several months we've been running a loose series not every Sunday morning but on the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus said except ye be converted and become as little children ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven and I'll tell you 
we have complicated lives so often simply because we refuse the simple answers that are in God's Word. And this morning, as, as the subject I would like for us to cover is simple singing. Sometimes people say, why don't you use uh, those new recordings and, and some of that real fancy music and stuff? And Well, I like to keep it simple because God's Word is simple. And one of the greatest complaints I have about many of the quote-unquote new songs, uh, songs that would be classified as contemporary uh, Christian music, the uh, we just call it the rock and roll crowd around here, uh, you have to be a professional singer to sing many of those songs. It's got a huge range, and many of the songs are put together in such a way as to exalt the voice or the talents of the singer. Now, when we come together on Sunday morning, this is what we call our worship service. And I want to do several things this morning. The first thing is I want, you to, I want to remind you that you are not the audience. The audience for whom we are gathered here together today is an audience of one. If we're going to worship God, then that means we are the worshipers and He is the one that receives our worship. The audience is to be God the Father, amen, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We worship God. How? Well, one of the ways we worship God is through are singing. Now, I want us to read here in the book of Colossians chapter 3. Let's just read verse 16, and then we'll pick up the context and try to build this in. Verse 16, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now just keep your attention there. I'm just going to turn over to Ephesians and read a parallel passage, one that echoes these same sentiments. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, these verses that we just read are the Apostle Paul giving instructions to individual churches in how they are supposed to carry on, and part of that is singing. Now, Peter could fill us in on all the history, but if we go back into the 1700s and 1600s and the land of England, one of the biggest arguments that was going on was should people sing in the church building? Now, why would people argue about such things? Well, it's real simple. They weren't following the Scripture anyway. 
And so when you don't follow the Scripture, you argue about such things. It tells us here the Bible is full of singing. The way I like to put it is, the, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. All I have to do is hold a conversation with you for just a few minutes, and I can, I can tell you what is in your heart, because you're going to talk about it. If the first thing that comes out is about politics, well, I know where your heart is. If it's about Wall Street, I know where your heart is. If it's about your car, I know where your heart is. If it's about your sweetheart, I know where your heart is now, don't I? If it's about the high cost and all the money, well, I know where your heart is. By the way, it's awful difficult to keep your heart in your billfold. But your music is a reflection of your soul. It's what's going on inside of you. Years ago, uh, I remember having quite a stark discussion with a young lady and she was saying, when I open my heart to Jesus, heavy metal music comes out. I said, well, that's a real simple problem to solve. You're worshiping the wrong Jesus. Well, that didn't go over very well. But it is true. Because what comes out is what's in there. That's why Jesus said, it's not eating with unwashing hands that defiles you. It's what's going on in your heart. And one of the things that we need to do as a church, one of the things that we need to work on, is we have a worship service on Sunday morning. And as a church, we need to work on our worship. I'd actually thought about bringing one of those little video cameras here and videotaping parts of the song service and then having Brother Zach put it up on the screen, but that would be embarrassing. You know, it's, it's hard to sing about the joy of Jesus like this. But people manage to do it. I mean... Where I want us to start this morning, singing praises to God does not start with your mouth. This passage that we just read, look at verse 16 with us. Let's go through this word for word this morning. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Then comes teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That tells me that something has to happen inside before the music comes outside. Now, I don't know if we have any old timers here. I know my wife remembers Brother Lester Roloff and some of them groups. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, just to think about it, I remember hearing him sing on the radio and different things and 
I'll tell you, Lester Orloff could not carry a tune if you handed it to him in a bucket. He, he was not a singer. But he sang all the time. And you listened to it. And you were blessed by it. Not because of his great intonation. Because he didn't have that. Uh, it was because of his heart for the Lord. And he had a ministry to young children, teenagers, who had gone away from God, and many times they would bring them there to the roll-off homes directly from the prison in handcuffs and straitjackets and worse, and they would work with them to get them off the drugs and the different things, and... Bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did they have a 100% success rate? No. Because you can't make people do right. But you can lead them to Jesus and He can help them do right. Amen. And so, I, I think of hearing some of those young ladies and men sing those songs. And they always did it a cappella without any accompaniment. And, and the Spirit would just... I mean, you just couldn't help but being blessed. Because, see, you see, something had gone on inside before the music came outside. Somebody sent me an email a while back. Does anybody know who El Devo is? It's a group of, of men singers. And uh, they recorded Amazing Grace. And it was a preacher sent me, the, oh, this is the most incredible arrangement. And I listened to that and I looked at those, I'm sorry, freaks. Because when you sing for the world, there's something about you that's really different than when you sing for Jesus. And I'll tell you, I was impressed by the volume and it impressed by the ability to hit those notes and the sounds that came out. And man, when the bagpipes came in on that last course, you know, you're just sitting there going, oh. But when it was all said and done, that was a nice performance. But when I hear somebody who's been saved by grace, When I'm in a church auditorium and people start singing that song and worship to God from hearts that were saved by His grace. That's where the blessing is. You see, the world cannot help us worship God. You've got to let this thing's still ringing. You've got to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, how that happens is, let's go back and again, the Bible is its own commentary. The Bible explains to us what it means by that. Come up to verse 12 here. And let's just go down through the list that Paul puts in here. He says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, 
humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now, please don't raise your hands here, but how many of you, those verses 12 through 15, that describes your relationship with God? Vows of mercy, kindness, forgiveness, the peace of God ruling in your hearts, thankfulness. Even when gas is $4 a gallon. Thankfulness. No matter what is going on around us. You see, that's the Word of God dwelling richly in you in all wisdom. Something's got to happen inside before the music comes outside and pleases God. You see, that's simple singing. I love it when the little kids up here in the front row, you can't always hear them, but let me tell you, they can, if they know the song, they can belt it out. But there's usually something that happens. Somewhere about 10 or 11, they start getting self-conscious. About 12 or 13, they start shriveling up. Unless you're Stephen. And that's a good thing. You see those same people at a ball game screaming themselves hoarse. And they can't open their mouth to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something's going on inside. And it's messing up what's coming out. If you're not, I don't think I even need to say this, but I will. If you're not saved, God doesn't want your singing. Because He, we'll get to this in a moment, He wants to do the work in your heart that produces the music He wants to hear. I mean, I like that song, I feel like traveling on. You know why? Because it puts my mind in the proper focus. There is so much going on. I think we are busier today than we have ever been in all of history. Every time I think, well, I'm going to just tackle this project, and once I get it done, my wife says, there will always be another project Yes, there will. And I don't know about you, but I'm asking God to do a work in my heart. That when I come to church on Sunday morning and sing the songs, I don't have 4,000 other things going on in my mind and my heart that hinders my singing of the songs in worship to the Lord. Could we say amen to that? You see, if God's going to enjoy our worship, 
Number one, we got to be mindful that He is to whom we're singing. And your best is never good enough for God. It's got to be Him doing the work. I've got to get this book in my heart. It's got to dwell there. This idea of dwelling means living in the same place. A few weeks, we got Father's Day coming up. And the Bible tells fathers that they're supposed to dwell with their wives according to wisdom. That means you don't leave your dirty shoes on the living room carpet. Uh, That means you don't put fingerprints on, wash your hands in this kitchen sink. I mean, there are just some things that just ought not be done. And yet, we do them all the time. You know why? Because we're not dwelling in wisdom. We're just dwelling. We've got to let this book dwell in us in wisdom. You know what true wisdom is? The best definition of wisdom is the ability to know what to do with your knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. They tell the joke, I believe it's based on a true story. A nuclear reactor was having all kinds of of difficulties, was not functioning properly, and they had to keep shutting it down. Finally, they said, you got to call so-and-so. He, he knows the problem. He'll fix it. He comes in, starts asking two or three questions about five minutes. He says, you got a crayon. And uh, no one did, and so he went and bought him a crayon, came back in. He put a big yellow X, and he says, take this apart. Put this pipe assembly back together, replace the valve, and everything will be fine. Walked out. They did what he said. He sent him a bill for $10,000. They choked, just like most of you did. And... Uh, excuse me, you were only here 15 minutes. You didn't do any work. Would you mind itemizing that bill? Sure. Crayon, dollar ninety-eight. Knowing how to use it, 9000 How many of you remember that ad campaign that was on the city bus stand? I remember seeing one on 21st Street and in the subways. It had a picture of a little teenager all neglected and looking down. It says, don't you wish they came with instructions? Does anybody remember that ad campaign? I do. I'm here to tell you today they do come with instructions. You've got to let the Word of God dwell in you. It says, richly. Now, how many of you want to be rich? Don't raise your hands. The Bible has a lot to say about the love of money. None of it's good. By the way, you don't have to be rich to love money. 
Some of the poorest people in this world are the greatest lovers of money. And it destroys them. If you ever want to if you ever want to see somebody that loves money, just go hang around the OTB. Drive past the casinos. Go out back where all the people that lost everything can't and still trying to get something back are. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. How many of you remember trying to be good enough to get saved? Doesn't work, does it? How many of you remember the struggles that you had trying to deal? Well, I know the Bible says that God's going to give me eternal life and I'm going to be saved, but, but God, you don't know what I did last week. Well, yes, He does. In fact, He knew what you did long before you were born. And He still loved you. And He still sent Jesus to die on the cross. And He still paid the price for those sins. No Christian can sing living in the graveyard of past sins. You've got to let the Word of God, the Word of Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom. They say he is richest whose pleasures are cheapest. No, he is richest who has somebody else paying all the bills. And that's what Jesus wants to do. Remember the hymn, My Father is rich in houses and lands. Hey, I'm a child of the King. As we are going over in the book of Revelation, He is the Prince of the Kings of this world. Stop messing with the sergeants. Spend your time with the Prince. Stop playing with the servants. Spend your time with the Prince. Let His Word dwell in you, and it will change the way you behave. It will change the way you think about life. It will change your understanding about everything. And when His Word dwells in you richly, in all wisdom, guess what happens? I can sing even though life hurts. I can worship God because He's done something on the inside. Does anybody know who Suregard Racer was? That name, he was probably the greatest saxophone player in all of history. And no, he did not play jazz, mostly classical music. And the reason I used him for an illustration was there was a great argument in his day on who produced the music, the instrument or the instrumentalist. And so he had one of the companies make him up a saxophone that had no keys. They had welded all the holes shut. 
Now, don't ask me how he did this because it makes no sense. I've played the saxophone for 30 years. I don't play jazz. Uh, I play music that I want to be pleasing to the Lord. But I, I need every one of those keys and usually a few more. Uh, but they say he played the instrument without the keys. And somebody said, how do you do that? He says, I hear the sound in here, and it comes out down there. I hear the sounds in here. If they dwell in me, then they're going to come out here. If I try to force it coming out here without anything in me, then I can do standing on the promises of Christ my King. You know, I like singing in big groups. You know why? Because nobody can hear how bad I sing in a big group. I can sing and have joy in my heart because I'm singing to the Lord out of what He's done in my heart. You see, if you're going to sing God's way, and this is a challenge, you've got to get prepared before you come to church. Would you start praying? When you do your daily Bible reading, you ought to be asking God to prepare your heart to sing on Sunday morning and Thursday night, and Sunday night. Amen? If you sing a special or sing in one of our, our special groups or any of those things, as you are reading the Scriptures during the week, you ought to be asking God to do something in your heart so that when you come and gather together, we can sing. Now let's move on to the second part of this verse. First part is prepare to sing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Part two, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, when you think of singing, is teaching the first thing that comes to mind? Not normally. And, and we do have some hymns in our hymn book that need a little theological tweaking, we would say. They're just not quite 100% accurate. But we need to have a purpose in our singing. How many of you have ever been convicted in your heart when a certain hymn starts playing. That's one of the reasons why I like to use only trust Him at invitation time. Because you know what? That's, that's normally what needs to happen. Is we need to stop trusting all these other things and only trust Him. Now, I picked a different one this morning. Let Jesus come into your heart. 
Because that needs to happen too. Amen? But it says teaching and admonishing. I remember Mr. Roush, some of you may remember him. He's visited here a couple of times. And he's really the man that taught me song leading. and He was the song director at Cleveland Baptist and had the privilege of working with him for a year in the school. And I used to get together with the fourth graders and we strangled cats. No, not really. It just sounded like it because they were playing clarinets. And uh, it was just awful. But Mr. Roush was one of those guys that was always singing. He would just walk down the hall, and you could hear the phrase, the uh, the refrains of some great hymn just going and tootling along as he walked. And I asked his son one time. I said, "Is your dad always like that?" And he says, "Yeah, it makes you sick, doesn't it?" Whatever dad had, it didn't get translated to son. I was thinking more. I'd like a little bit more like that in my heart. Amen? I'd like to hear those songs because they admonish us. How many times have you come into church just a little beat up, a little depressed, a little concerned about a lot of other things and start singing them old hymns and all of a sudden start realizing that what I'm fighting with here, I'm going to leave someday. I'm traveling on. I'm leaving this world. I'm going to be in heaven someday. And it won't matter if we ever get the plumbing in the baptistry. But we're going to get it done. It won't matter if we ever finish all the things that need to be done. And i got to work on that. I'm a person that likes to do things. I, I want to finish the project. But I'll tell you what. If my work makes me lose my song, then it's not God's work. If what I'm doing isn't producing a song, that I can give to God in worship, then there's something wrong with what I'm doing. Let's go back, start over again. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Then it's teaching and admonishing one another. Now, let's just look at the list, and we're not going to spend a long time on this list. Psalms. You got 150 of them in your Bible. Read them. Sing them to yourself. Amen. Psalms and hymns. I looked up the word hymn just to make sure I had the right definition. Because sometimes you get something in your head that isn't quite right. But the Oxford English Dictionary describes a hymn as an arrangement that is special to the worship of God. I like that. Hymns 
are songs that are sung specifically to worship God. Now, one of the things we're going to be doing on Thursday nights is you're going to have to put up with my song leading for the next several weeks because we're going to go through our new hymn book and we're going to learn a lot of those songs I've been wanting to sing for the last 20 years. And uh, we're going to learn those songs. And Franz said, listen, teach me the songs. I said, I'm going to on Thursday night and learn them right along with everybody else. Amen. And, and we're going to, because we need to get more songs that we can sing in praise and worship to our God. But songs ought to have a message. There ought to be a purpose in our singing. I mean, there's some songs that just mean something to me. I remember with traveling with Brother Clayton just when I got out of Bible college and we'd stand there together sometimes when we were leaving the church, and he said, boys, let's just get together and pray. He'd get the pastor there and whoever else was there as we were ready to leave, and he said, let's sing that song, Oh, I Want to See Him Look Upon His Face. And I'll tell you what, I, I love that song. It just moves me. I remember when I was in Bible college, we'd get hundreds of pastors and visitors in, and they would sing that song, uh, uh, talking about uh, until I see Christ. And I mean, there would be thousands of voices singing together in hushed tones. One of these days, we're going to be in heaven together in Christ. And I'll tell you what made you forget everything else. And understand that my service for Christ is what is important. Does that sound like teaching and admonishing to you? That's what ought to be going on. Amen? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, a spiritual song is just a song that's got a spiritual theme to it. Amen? That doesn't mean that it's wrong to sing the national anthem or when you're at a picnic, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes and some of them good old funny songs. But when we're worshiping God, we ought to have songs that are special to God. That's one of the reasons why I get so angry at this modern contemporary music. I don't want to adapt contemporary songs. I don't even like Beethoven sung in church. Beethoven wrote every piece to the glory of man. I don't want that attitude here. Is his music evil? No. But evil men write good music. And good people sometimes write bad music. But I want music that is specifically set aside for the Lord. 
There's some songs that I enjoy, but I don't enjoy them in church. I want songs that are going to teach and admonish and have a purpose. Now let's go to this last part. We got to prepare to sing. We got to have a purpose in our singing. And the last one is very simple, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now what is grace, my friend? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God's unmerited favor. God's goodness to mankind. That's what grace is. If I allow God's grace to be in my heart, is it going to change the way I live? It has to. That's why Jesus said when He was teaching the disciples to pray, When he was teaching them how to live several different places in the New Testament there, Jesus said, listen, if you don't forgive those that have sinned against you, God is not going to forgive you your sins against him. If his grace is in your heart, we can go back to that list of things that we just went through in verses 12 through 15. It's going to be there. You see, nothing you or I can do or ever has done or ever will do will be good enough to please God. That's why he calls it being born again, my friend, because it's not a remake of the old life. It's a completely new life that God is giving you. It is not dependent upon what you do or can do. It's dependent upon what Jesus has done. And His giving that life to you is grace. You see, only God is good enough to please God. Did we get that? Only God is good enough to please God. So if you're going to please God, you've got to get a little God inside you, a little of God inside you, His presence working in your life, His grace changing who and what you are so that you can give that back to Him And one of the ways you can do that is with your singing. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. I've seen some great music directors. And boy, they can just get people wound up and I'm in the it's just but I want to be careful because we don't want to manufacture this stuff 
We don't want our music to be something that can be ginned up. The old magneto thing. Crank it up and watch the sparks fly. That is not what this is talking about. It is allowing God's grace to be reflected through your song. That is worship. That is one facet of what true worship is. And when we look at it that way, doesn't all of a sudden it become very simple? I get close enough to God to let Him change who I am. And then I give that change back to Him in the way I sing. It's simple. And I'll tell you, old Lester Roloff, God will take care of the fact that you can't hit the notes quite right. You know, He'll take care of the fact that you don't have the greatest tonal quality in the world. If you get enough grace, your singing is going to be good. Because it will be to the Lord. And when we get to heaven, God's going to straighten all those things out. I can't wait to hear how good I'm going to sound when I get to heaven. Because I won't have all the problems and physical abnormalities that I have here on earth. And my voice will sound very different. But who's going to give the voice? Uh, Well, God's going to be the one that gives it now, isn't he? So it's going to be none of me and all of him. And we won't have that old sin nature that will get proud like the one does here on earth. And there's nothing that messes up singing more than pride. If you're going to praise God with your singing, you're going to have to have God in you first. You're going to have to prepare. You're going to have to have a purpose. Then you can have praise that is real and meaningful. And it's simple. You don't have to take one voice lesson to make it happen. You don't have to take a seminar. What you got to do is you got to start asking God as you read your Bible this week. Lord, give me your word that it may prepare my voice to sing for you next Sunday. Let me, it's going to change. If just a few people really get a hold of this thing, it'll change our song services. And you know who's going to be the happiest? The audience. Because it will be to Him, for Him, by Him. You just get to be the vessel through which it flows. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning. And Lord, we ask that You would give us this truth. It's here in Your Word. But Lord, 
we want it to dwell richly in all wisdom. Lord, we want to be taught and admonished by the songs. We want our songs to be psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Lord, we want to sing with grace in our hearts unto the Lord. Lord, my prayer is that there be someone here today that is not saved, even though this is not primarily a message about salvation, that they would see their need for the Savior. Because none of this happens without first surrendering one's life in salvation to the work of God. Lord, we pray that as the struggles of this life and the difficulties that just bombard us and keep us distracted and away from the truths that are in Your Word, that we would allow Your Word to filter those things out during the week, that when we come together, even tonight, Thursday night, especially next Sunday morning, our singing would be different. Our singing would be true worship, acceptable unto God. We ask that none would withhold from you what is rightfully yours in the time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation is 307.